0: talking about. Film's the greatest educational medium the world has ever known. Hi guys, and welcome back to Teenage Golden Age, a podcast where we talk about old Hollywood movies from the perspective of the next generation. Since we are a teen-run podcast, I thought it would be interesting to take a look at teenagers in old film and analyze the way they are portrayed. We will discuss how teenagers had different and similar behaviors, struggles, and culture. When I first started watching old movies, it really surprised me that most of the romantic comedies started adults and not high schoolers and teenagers. Teenagers teenagers began appearing more as the focus of films starting in the 1950s because teenagers were really the biggest demographic that went to the movies and they needed to compete with television. A repeated pattern of romantic comedies in the 21st century is that a lot of them center high schoolers like Euphoria, The Summer I Turned Pretty, The Kissing Booth, and those are just a few to name. I only have seen a few old films about teenagers and their lives as students so we are going to take a look at the films that do just that before we start please make sure to rate and review us if you enjoy our podcast because it helps grow our audience and help more people hear about old movies also make sure to follow our instagram and tiktok where we post movie clips podcast clips reminders about when new episodes come out and more a summer place 1959 Ken Jorgensen brings his wife and teenage daughter, Molly, to the main vacation spot where he worked as a middle-class youth. When Ken reunites with his former flame, the now-married Sylvia, it sparks a passionate romance. Meanwhile, Sylvia's son, Johnny, and Molly begin a romance of their own, unaware of their parents' affair. In general, this film is really able to communicate teenager emotions and stories because of the fact that it kind of goes against the Hays Code, which was diminishing during that time. The Hays Code was implemented to restrict certain topics talked about in old Hollywood films, and what makes this film not follow it is that it regularly talks about sex and uses inappropriate words for that era. When a lot of old films wanted to talk about certain topics, they would never bluntly mention the so-called inappropriate word, but they would kind of hint at it, and this film definitely does the opposite. Anyways, let's talk about the two teenager characters in this film, Molly and Johnny. I know those names are really funny. I just, I like, I wonder if they pick those names to kind of sound like they were like young teenagers like I just it's so funny because I feel like no one right now would be I mean okay sorry I don't want to offend anybody but I feel like those are kind of very old 50s names so Yeah, it's just interesting. Molly and Johnny first lay eyes on each other from their binoculars when Johnny is on the island and Molly is on her yacht about to board the island. I thought it was interesting how they first met with Great Distance and the director uses a wide shot signaling their emotional separation in the beginning and then once they are in a relationship, the camera has many close-up shots of them too illustrating their intimacy. So you insist on these sexiness? as though sex were synonymous with dirt. Molly and Johnny are first alone when they leave the dinner table together and I love the soft romantic music as they look onto the water and first hold hands and kiss. But what makes this really, like, relatable like a relatable scene is that they still have this awkward conversation which shows their fears of being in each other's presence and the thrill of first experiencing romance this film really highlights teens first experiencing love and how those emotions can be good but also really overpowering like you know their love doesn't automatically it's not just this like oh they're just in love and it's just incredible you know they kind of show like the awkwardness of kind of being in love for the first time and, like, you know, trying to figure it all out. And there's always a song that plays when they are together, and it really contributes to really, like, this romantic mood. I love this. I love the use of sound in this film. Do you care if I kiss you right here in front of God and everybody? (sighs) I can't wait either. I think, in general, love has never changed through the years, so that's why I feel like this film, I mean... Like, it kind of portrays teens similarly to now in the sense of love, but also in a summer place, it touches upon the complex relationship teenagers have with their parents and how it almost has. It's almost kind of like a love and hate relationship. On one hand, Molly's father and her are really close at the beginning of the film, and he really takes the time to understand Molly and listen to her feelings, and their conversations really give us an insight about the struggles of being a teenage girl and dealing with boys and love. On the other hand, though, her relationship with her mother is a rugged one, and first seen in when her mother forces her to wear a certain outfit that hides her body her mother is very orthodox and is really afraid for her daughter to be around boys and as a result puts her anger and her maternal, mater, mater- Mer- sorry not maternal, marital issues on Molly. Molly constantly has to grapple with her parents fighting about what Molly should and should not do. And that makes Molly in the middle of their arguments. We see this generational clash between Molly and her mother because while her mother is very proper and very traditional, Molly just wants to be a kid and do whatever she pleases. No, you don't. I don't think you've ever known what's best for Papa, for me, or for anybody, including yourself. I think teenagers then and now all can relate to a sort of disconnect with their parents because as as a result of like the different generations we are in and just the different values we obtain, Molly has to tangle with the fact that while she wants to respect her mother, she should also go against her for her own happiness. Eventually, her parents do get divorced, and so this brings up the hardships of divorce on teens and children in general, and just the difficulties of adjusting when your mother or father has a new wife or husband. In this film, her father marries Johnny's mother, which, first of all, is really weird because that means they are step-siblings, and that's weird because they are still in a relationship once their parents marry, which just, like, i mean now that would be like unacceptable but i guess back then i'm not sure if that like that didn't matter i don't know we see both of johnny's and molly's anxiety and uneasiness when they look at their parents together and i think molly loses some respect for her father that she once had and she has a sort of disconnect with him and kind of stops opening up to him like she used to in the end their parents are extremely disapproving of molly and johnny's relationship and can't fully understand their passion oh and finally i forgot this film brings up teen pregnancy and the struggles of telling your parents and just dealing with the uncertain uncertainty of it at a young age and just all of it just like all the overwhelming emotions and I think all of these themes of newfound love, divorce, and just relationships in general really connect to our lives today and it's just really representative in this film. One thing though that I find really different is just culturally how teenagers were portrayed in this film. I'm not sure if this is how teenagers actually were but based on this film um, definitely really different. So until really the 1950s or 60s teenagers wore the clothings that adults wore and they didn't have their own trends and youthful style that we kind of do today and this film doesn't really show that because we see Johnny wearing a lot of suits that similarly to like his father would wear, and Molly wearing dresses and skirts, which is similar to what their parents wore in the film. These costumes are, though, definitely more formal than anything we wear today. I mean, they did not wear any sweatpants or, you know, baggy shirts. I'm not sure. Like, they just didn't wear that. They were definitely more formal. And I don't know if it's just in this movie, but this film definitely illustrates that teens spoke also very formally. That is going to be contradicted in the next film we're going to talk about but it's just interesting how they portrayed um teens as speaking in a very formal manner maybe like you know depending on what class you were in like you spoke more formally if you were in a higher class I'm not sure but I doubt that's true however teenager slang was definitely different back then of course it's always evolving and additionally just the way Molly wears her hair is so different than what any teenager would wear their hair today and even johnny's hairstyle has very like 50s slick back look that we really wear today it's all about like puffy hair um and i think i mean these hairstyles you know their parents also kind of wore the similar similar hairstyles. so it's interesting how like i mean i guess do we wear the same hairstyles as kind of like the older generation i'm eh, kind of i would say so actually i'm not really sure yeah Rebel Without a Cause, 1955. After moving to a new town, troublemaking teen Jim is supposed to have a clean slate, although being the new kid in town brings its own problems. While searching for some stability, Jim forms a bond with a disturbed classmate, Plato, and falls for a local girl, Judy. However, Judy is the girlfriend of a neighborhood tough Buzz, and when Buzz violently confronts Jim and challenges him to a drag race, the new kid's real troubles begin. A boy, a kid was killed tonight! I don't see how I can get out of that by pretending that it didn't happen! Well, you know that you did the wrong thing. That's the main thing, isn't it? That's nothing. That's... That is absolutely nothing. Dad, you told me. You said you you want me to tell the truth. Now, didn't you say that? Rebel Without a Cause definitely shows the more rebellious side of teens. And I love how in this film, it definitely shows a different perspective to what is shown in A Summer Place. Yes, in A Summer Place, they rebel by loving each other when their parents disapprove, but this film deals with more alcohol, crime, and just the foolish things teenagers do. We first meet James Dean's character, Jim, when he's on the floor, drunk, and this kind of sets an uneasy feel to the film and the teenagers we are going to meet. He gets picked up by the juvenile police, and there we get introduced to Judy, who is there because of her emotional issues dealing with her father. Judy's character arc and issues also show the disconnect and relationship difficulties between teenagers and and their parents similar to In a Summer Place. Also, this film shows how parents want validation from their kids and want their children to love them. We also meet the third protagonist, Teen John or Plato, who is in the juvenile police station for shooting puppies. You're tearing me apart! What? You you say one thing, he says another, and everybody changes back again! Plato is definitely the most emotionally complex character because we learn that both of his parents are out of his life and he is just a really lonely character. This film really illustrates how teenagers feel lonely, whether it is they don't have friends or they don't feel like they can be truly themselves in front of their friends. I love how there are three teenager protagonists in this film because it illustrates the different types of teenagers and just the different stories we all have. In a Summer Place, it shows teenagers acting more like adults where Whereas in this film, it really highlights rebellion and the absurd things teenagers will do to look cool amongst their peers. Jim and so does Plato get bullied a lot and we see the effect it has on them, which is really relatable in just today's world. They are bullied by Judy's friends, which are the so-called popular people in their school. And within that group, we see a lot of peer pressure to bully Jim. From hearing their other conversations, we can see that the leader of the friend group doesn't want to bully Jim, but when his friends coax him to do so, he acts upon it. Something. No, what? You read too many comic books. <laughs> well, he's real abstract. He's um, he's different. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I'm cute, too. Move. Oh, <laughs> is, that oh, ah, is, that, uh, is that meaning me? Is that meaning me? Yes. Even Judy acts all tough and hides her emotional side when she is around the popular people and just acts like she doesn't like Jim to fit in even though she kind of likes him, you know? And even Jim has to deal with the lingering question, should I do something that could be really dangerous but it could prove a point and make me look a certain way? And that's, you know, like he's trying to figure out if he should do the drag race. Um, And, you know, possibly get really hurt. Oh, the drag race, by the way, it's not like a drag race today. Um, It's like a race. It's like, I I don't really know how to explain it. It's like they get in the car and then they have to try to get out of the car before the car reaches the cliff and falls into the water. So that's to clear that up if you guys um, were confused. Um, But so he's kind of, Jim's trying to figure out like, oh, should he get hurt to make a point or should he just stay home and like you know look lame for doing so and even Jim who looks like this guy that doesn't care about what people say it, um, wants to participate in this drag race that he is dared to do to look tough these teenagers hide their fears and just hide their emotions when for example their friend dies from the drag race which really, you know, they, you know, Jim really understands, like, the consequences, consequences after he does it, and he's like, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that, and this also explained by, and this is also explained by the title Rebel Without a Cause, um, because teenagers are really rebellious for no reason, and purely just to kind of have a certain tough, you know, cool, popular image. I'm sorry that I treated you mean today, You shouldn't believe what I say when I'm with the rest of the kids. Nobody... nobody acts sincere. We really see the characters open up when Jim, John, and Judy have a private conversation and they talk about the pressures society place on them when they hide out in this abandoned mansion. And we just understand that they just wanna be free, you know, from all the chaos in the world. And they just wanna have fun and play pretend as Jim and Judy are this couple buying this mansion. They kind of like just have fun in the mansion and pretend that they are buying it for fun. I'm not going back in that zoo. I'm never going back. Overall, I think every teen today can relate to the struggle of bullying, peer pressure, and also a complex relationship with their parents. And of course, how can I forget in this film that it also um, shows the feelings of falling in love for the first time? Some things that are also similar in this film to the real world are that more in a more stylistic way, is that the high schools back then look pretty much the same with the lockers and the hallways, and it just, like, looks too close to home. Like, it looks exactly the same. That's crazy how schools really haven't changed, which is kind of sad. I saw this video how, like, cars have evolved, but, like, schools haven't. So it's just interesting, like you know, what has changed and what has not, so that's interesting, and the outfits in this film are a little less formal than the ones in A Summer Place, as we see the men wearing leather jackets, and more like a dressed down look, and women wearing skirts and cardigans, and you know, the style is still really different from today, we're definitely way more laid back than they were in that movie, Um, but, and I would say, I mean, just from doing some research about 50s fashion, this, um, the cl- clothing in this film definitely shows more of what teens wore back then in the 50s. And also in terms of slang, we see a bit of it when Judy says to Jim, I'm not sure if this is exactly a slang, but it sounds like it. She says, I think you're a real yo-yo. And of course the slang is different today, but I really think it's interesting how they really brought out teen slang in the film in many parts. You know, I bet you're a real yo-yo. That is it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for sticking through the end of this episode. And you guys can watch Rebel Without a Cause in a summer place on really any streaming platform like iTunes or YouTube. I love talking about teens and film. And tell me me if you want a part two um, of talking just about a few more films that center teens. And definitely make sure to follow our Instagram and TikTok at Teenage Golden Age. And... If you have any questions or comments about the podcast, make sure to email us at teenagegoldenage at gmail.com. That's teenagegoldenage at gmail.com. And with that, I will see you in our next episode. Bye!